Hey guys, this week's episode is brought to you by KingsEyes.life. Once again, they are back at it. The illustrious home of the entire King's Eyes Lifestyle Podcast Network has brought this episode to you as well. Aren't you happy? No. What do you mean no? Oh well. So, uh, on the website... On the www.kingseyes.life, you can find the entire blog on which there is a new contributor. You can find the entire podcast network, as mentioned. You can find a catalog of videos that I've contributed to, I've published, or that I quite enjoy. It's it's essentially just like my YouTube channel, on which I have my likes public. Nobody friggin' does that. Why aren't you doing that? You should do that. Uh, You can also find the new corporate site that we've been working on. Uh, It's being built right before your very eyes. All puns intended, being as I'm kinetized and all. So there's all of that. There's more coming in the pipeline. I'd highly recommend you go in there and you have a check about. You can subscribe to the newsletter. It'll give you notifications every Saturday for what content has been most recently published. I'd obviously appreciate if you have visited more frequently than just Saturdays. But that's just me. For now, enjoy the show. <coughs> Still got it. Good morning. Come on in, sit down, and relax. Grab a coffee or tea. You're about to listen to Mornings with King's Eyes. That's me. Good morning. Hope you had a great week, just as requested on last week's episode. I sure as shit had an interesting week. Let me know how your week was. Let me know how your day is going by going to the official Discord. It's called Morning Folk. You can find it on www.kingseyes.life slash mornings. There's an open invite for you. Come on in. Have a chat. Be part of this interesting community I'm trying to build for myself. And for everybody else, obviously. Uh... And listen to the mornings episodes along with that. It's fantastic. If you haven't got a Discord, you sure should plan on getting one. <laughs> this this plug at the beginning for morning, folks, is, is getting more interesting and more just out there every week as I try and do it. So good morning. This is King's Eyes reporting to you live from what is a... A cloudy but quite nice day in Winchester. Interestingly, the sunbeams are going through the conservatory. It'll be about as hot as a, a greenhouse by the time I open the door here, which I'm looking forward to in a what's been a cold Great Britain for the longest time, quite frankly. It's like I've had to start wearing PJ trousers going into bed now because my butt cheeks, quite frankly, can't tolerate how cold my mattress is. Imagine the intolerable pain that is for someone that is Norwegian, who for, according to the British folk, we have 10 months of just cold and snow, which they're not too far off the ball. But for me to jump into bed and find that it is that cold and insufferable every night, it's it's been quite a, a change. And I quite like when there's some warmth to be had. So, How was my week? I mean, I'd love to know how your week was as well. You can comment below this episode on kingseyes.life or obviously go to Morning Folk as been requested en masse or ad nauseum, depending on how you like it. My week, let me think here. Um... Obviously, like I've uh, harped on for a couple weeks now, it's the, the strikes are in full effect. It is quite a it's it's odd because for us students, right, we have now for about for them two weeks. It's not like we're about to cap off the first week of the strike as I'm recording this and the way things have been going is like usually we would have the entire 12 weeks of the semester set in front of us. I have it on my calendar on Google so that I always I get a notification about an hour before I'm supposed to go. So I have some time to get ready. I have some time to walk over and I'll be there perfectly as the thing starts. However, most of them notifications now have come to not be valid because the strikes obviously were going. So we don't know whether the uh, actual lecture will continue or not. So we've been getting emails like maybe the day before at the very best saying, "Okay, no, this lecture is on. It'll be with a different person potentially, though, because the lecturers, as far as I've understood, aren't. They're not obligated or they're not allowed to say whether they're striking or not. They have just been prefacing it by saying, you know, there's probably not going to be a lecture this week. Um, But keep an eye on your announcements on the intranet. That's intranet, not internet. Which is uh, is quite a frustrating process. And I, I feel I... 
I had that sort of thrown back in my face on Tuesday. I was supposed to go in for one of my modules that I mentioned last week is one of the big key reasons why I'm even here in the country to begin with. That module, we got the notification the day before that it was going to continue, but we weren't told whether it was with our typical lecturer and seminar host or not. So I came into the room on Tuesday there. Um, sat down where I usually would. It was half the class because either people were just not bothered by the fact that it said the lecture was still on or that we're just not expecting much of it. I was very much in the camp of I'm not expecting much of this and nor would I come to expect much when first thing that comes out of the uh, replacement lecturer's face is, is this the social media class? Look me square in the eyes and ask that. And that is a a tad concerning, obviously, when some new bloke that you haven't seen or spoken to ever, that's his first question. My my first impression, and this is just, I don't know, who the hell is this substitute? What the hell is he doing here? Is he just like the gardener from a little bit further down that's going to just take it over for a couple hours and just read what's on the PowerPoint? That was my impression. And then this fella started. He introduced himself. And wouldn't you know, he was the friggin' dean of the faculty. And probably, I can curse, the most knowledgeable motherfucker on campus. It absolutely blew my mind how much this guy knew on his topic. Which, I guess that's part of being an academic, isn't it? That you know just everything and possibly more than everybody else about your particular topic. I'd argue that's probably the case. And it was absolutely the case with this guy. We had the first lecture and it was... It was just mind-boggling. I sat there and I took notes for a little while, and then I realized, you know what? No, I've t- I take notes for every lecture to the like something or other. However, with this guy, I I found that probably the best way to go about it was just to listen because this felt very much like it was a like once in a blue moon scenario where you don't know how many more times you might have this guy lecturing you on things. So. I put the notebook away and I started just listening and I feel I absorbed a lot of interesting things he said because it was on Facebook and it was on things uh, according to like Facebook's censoring policies and why like they're one big legal argument when it comes to whether they're a platform or publisher and trying to take responsibility for these things, which all very interesting things that we all sort of know, but we don't really, we don't consider it to be an issue because we've read the terms of service. We know what we're in for. When we publish something, it can be used. Nobody's, at the moment we click publish, nobody's moderating the post for us before it goes out. It just goes out. And that's kind of the social media age that we're in. You are freely available to post whatever you please, really. But then Facebook is really what takes the backlash in some regards. But I, I believe when it comes to the that whole thing, I believe it's very much the same as the guns kill people argument that people have found themselves tripping over. It isn't a case of guns kill people. It's a case of guns enable people to kill people. I think that's an, uh, an important distinguishing factor that people need to remember here. No one told the gun to kill anyone. No one... Like, the gun doesn't decide to pull the trigger itself. It's the person holding the gun that does that. And any argument that's like, oh, no, but it is the gun that killed people. No, the person pulling the trigger is who killed the people. You can't hold the weapon accountable in court beyond being evidence material. It's it's important we know these things and we distinguish on them like it's it's sensible. Like, if it's sensible, you should, <laughs> that's the way to go about it. Obviously, I'd argue that's obviously, but that's that's me. That's my stance on it, though. Quite frankly, my stance on it is why in the world do we do we want people to have semi-automatic rifles or semi-automatic weapons of any sort or weapons of any sort? Why can't we solve things with discourse and conversation? Why does it have to be physical violence every time? I don't I'm I'm not about to jump into some. Uh, political rant of any sort, that's my stance on it. I'm I'm a pacifist on my throat. So that's that's me. I'd rather solve things with my mouth rather than punch someone into submission. So we had that. Then we had a seminar with them after, which seminars for us usually is, okay, we have some sort of quiz about the key reading from the week before, 
uh, and I'll I'll get to admitting something right after I've spoken on this. Uh, usually we'd have a key reading quiz that was set up by some of the students that we'd all have to answer to and we'd get points. And at, at, at the end of semester, there's supposed to be some sort of prize for whoever has the most points. We didn't have that this week because obviously with the dean of the faculty, he doesn't uh, he's he might have set up and arranged how this thing would work. But he is obviously not uh, read up on the particular readings we might have done for that week and uh, our, like how our seminars have been working. So what he did was he asked open questions and lectured like I haven't heard anyone do at this goddamn campus at all before. And it was so much learning, so informative and just studying what the guy brought with him. He brought with him just the, uh, the registry, just the registry on which there are names for people. Nothing else. There was not a notepad. There was not a nothing. Well, actually, there was a notepad, but that was one that he had a blank page on and he just scribbled on as he went along and heard comments from the students. But everything else was in between this guy's ears. He knew just everything. And it was such a... A moment of clarity, oddly enough. And here's where I admit something. Uh, for a couple weeks now, I wrote about this on my blog too, but I'll, I'll explain it here too. For the vast majority, actually, of this semester, I've felt this odd, gray, heavy, just fog in my head. For one reason or another, I th it's a combination of the uh, the amount of work I've been putting in on the website, the uh, just uh, things going on at home, back in Norway, things going on here, uh, a little bit of everything. And I felt I've just been coasting along. I haven't really taken control and stepped up uh, to be the best me that there is. I've just kind of, I've been there, I've smiled, I've spoken, and that's about it. Uh, not really interacted with studies, not interacted with the material that I've paid ad nauseum to interact with. Besides maybe the MMC, at which there are MacBooks that I've been working on the website for. But having uh, the, the dean of the faculty in that seminar, coming out of the seminar, that fog, oddly enough, felt like it had lifted or started lifting. And I've been so oddly proactive in them two days since that happened, because I, I record on Thursdays. This thing was Tuesday. I've, I can't truly explain how I think it was sort of a trigger to no this is exactly why I'm here to be knowledgeable in this field that I've set myself up to study in and I need to focus more on that and I need to take more control of what happens during my days and to think that a lecturer can be that motivational I hadn't seen or felt that since last semester when we first had our um our lectures on, what was it, undertaking undertaking media research and methodologies media research because it's, it was, they, they're fantastic lectures, the entire lot of them, but it's something, I think when you consume something long enough, it doesn't have the same impact as it would have had usually. And to, effectively, the guy blew my mind on Tuesday. <laughs> and to sort of feel like I'm not coasting anymore, I feel like I have that control back just after that lecture and just taking steps like I I spent several hours after just planning out my Google calendar with things that I should be doing from day to day. Um, I started making lists. I started planning for things that I should be doing uh, a week in advance. Um, there are a, a smandering of things that I ended up doing as well as I think I spent a good four or five hours working on shit for the website, which was things like uh, setting up the corporate site or writing posts, finally, or uh, putting something out on the video section, because I, I don't know if this is clear. I'm the only one operating. Uh, I shouldn't say operating. I'm the only one designing and working the website from the back end, setting things up. There isn't a developmental team that has set that thing up in the slightest. That's just me that has been working on that. And so it does take several hours and sitting by myself in the MMC and working on this to try and make it work. And I've just, obviously with what happened on Tuesday and sort of that moment of clarity of realizing, well, shit, I ought to focus on what I'm here for. I'm going to cut back a little bit on that. And uh, next week, uh, I'm going back to Norway to also pick up my MacBook, which is a fantastic 
fantastic resource that I've been missing now for not shitting you six months. Six months I've been without a personal home computer. I've strictly had my phone or I've had the resources at the MMC or the library available to me, but nothing else. And let me tell you something as a millennial, because I'm being I'm being claimed to be a boomer every so often, but I'm I'm born in the generation that is a millennial grew up with the technologies and stuff. It's the first time I've had that bigger break from like personal computing and having all my files in one place. Like I've been all over the place with Google drives and shit like that for a while. And it is uh, the closer I get to the day where I get to have this, this new Mac in my hand and I get to work on content from home again. Finally, I think that's just going to be the most helpful thing that I, I can think of quite honestly. It is, I, I, I'm just itching to get my hands on it and install the various apps that I usually would work on. And to it'll enable me to make things so much better from home without the stress of opening hours at the MMC or without uh, being away from home. Because I have, I happen to not be of a, a single uh, civilian status. I happen to be in a relationship with someone that prefers if I'm home at logical hours and I'm not out of the house at all hours of the day, which I can totally understand. I can, I get it. I'm not, I'm self-aware enough to know that I'm, it's selfish to an extent, but it's beneficial. I mean, since putting in the work and redesigning the website, it's, it started generating money. However little it started generating and every day it's picked up a little bit. And a little bit and a little bit. And I see the AdSense growing on it. And it's just fantastic. Because I've, quite frankly, not a single property I've ever made has ever made any money. And all of a sudden, this big friggin' project, biggest project I've ever set myself up to do, is generating cash. And it's great. Not enough to pay an electric bill by any stretch. But it'll, it'll get there. It'll get there. So that was my Tuesday. <laughs> uh, whatever else happened. Nope, that's the highlight, quite frankly. And so, I just spoke ad nauseum about how my week was. Uh, I think it's about to, to about time to uh, pick up on what the uh, how the world's week was. And this week, for the first time since starting to record the podcast, quite frankly, I came a little bit prepared. Much like every other week, though, we are checking out the news from RogueRocket.com. Um... You know, made by Philip DeFranco, independent creator, so on, so on. I could speak on ad nauseum about how I prefer this site to more of the um, the traditional and big mainstream publishers. This is a story, though, that in all likelihood you can find on every single major outlet this week and for a while further. And it is an entertainment bit of news, and it reads, and if you haven't heard this, you'll be shocked. What it reads is, Bob Iger steps down as Disney CEO in surprising announcement. And the excerpt reads, Disney announced on Tuesday that Bob Iger will step down as CEO and will instead spend the last 22 months of his contract as executive chairman. Iger will be succeeded by Bob Chapek, a, the head of the company's parks and resorts unit. The announcement surprised many industry analysts and company insiders who are speculating that there might be more to the reasoning than what was revealed. Iger said he plans to help ease Chapek's transition into the role before leaving altogether, and that the timing of the move was not expedited for any reason in particular. So, Iger, I think, man is 69 years old. Hey... But I, I'd say here, while obviously everyone will speculate on what his reasoning might be as to why he's departing or why he has stepped down as CEO, I, th I think you can look at it and, and see it from a logical perspective as a human being of if you've done the same thing effectively for enough time, it'll sort of take the joy out of it for you. However passionate you might be about something, if you repeat the same cycle and do the same things over and over and over again for long enough, it takes it takes some of the like, the enjoyment out of it for you. I, I know full well and certainly that that is a thing, which is why with how my 
my own platform, I can say at a grassroots level, it's set up to take every sort of medium just for the sake of I don't want to stick myself in one box and do the same thing over and over again because that'll take the enjoyment out of it for me. I want to be able to write something for a large feature. I want to record a podcast that's four hours or a parentheses. I don't really want to do that. That sounds like it'll just turn everyone off. I want to be able to put out large video projects. I want to blog. I want to do portfolios. I want to have every opportunity available to me. And when you're sitting like Bob Iger has with the responsibility of an entire company and essentially that's an office job and brokering deals and trying to get the best out of something for as long as he has, I, I, it's understandable. However much people want to speculate that there might be more to the reasoning or whatever, I think... It also comes down to a thing of age, like priorities change as you get older, obviously. Uh, Priorities can change on the flip. Like some commit themselves to something for 10, 15, 20 years, and then all of a sudden all passion they potentially had for it is taken away from them. Some, though, make the smart move and go, no, this is taking the passion out of something that I love. I'd much rather give this to someone else and see what they can do with it and keep my passion for it. Whatever happens to the property be damned. And in Bob Iger's case, I th- I'm i going to argue and say I, that's probably the reason, unless there's another hashtag me too or whatever that might come up. But even still, I believe that's going to be the, the big case and the big news this week is that Bob Iger steps down as Disney CEO. Well, that's 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 one story, and it was an interesting one. I just I opened Rogue Rocket prior to uh, starting the recording today, and I saw that, and I was like, "That's definitely one of the stories today." <laughs> right. Let's uh, have a peek. See what else can we talk about today? Right. So this is another. It's an entertainment story. It's a way way more serious story. Way more serious story than what we had just now with the Bob Iger story, and I think. It's important that we talk about things like this. I'm going to say, before I even speak on this at all, it is important to mention there is nothing I say now, however misconstrued, it might get at some point or another. I don't know because I don't write any of this shit down before I speak. But I'm going to put a trigger warning here because it's such a sensitive topic in today's society with the sexual abuse and sexual assaults and... all the the things that come with that. I'm going to try my damnedest to not say, I I don't intend to, but should anything come out and sound like it could be misconstrued as offensive at all, please, please, I beg of you, I do not intend any offense with anything I say with this story. All, like, heck, the reason that we're even talking about it is raising awareness and clear like showing support for victims of this because it is such a horrendous horrendous thing to have happen to someone to have consent and to have oh my goodness it is truly important you understand i'm only speaking on this to raise awareness and to show support to victims of this it is in no way no shape no form to offend anyone that has been affected by this. I want that clear. And the story here is from Rogue Rocket. It is, it's an entertainment story that reads, Celebrities support silence breakers after Weinstein's conviction. Harvey Weinstein was convicted of rape and a criminal sexual act by a New York jury Monday, but was acquitted on more serious charges. Since the ruling, many praised the women who testified in court and applauded the decision. Those who spoke out included journalist Ronan Farrow, previous Weinstein accusers, Rose McGowan, Rosanna Arquette, and Ashley Judd. Weinstein maintains his innocence and was briefly hospitalized for heart palpitations following the verdict. He faces more charges in Los Angeles. So if you're not caught up on the entire story with Harvey Weinstein, he is one of the biggest revelations in the hashtag me too and the all of that comes with that. So the Harvey Weinstein case is obviously one of the big uh, it's one of the biggest revelations with the me too movement. 
that someone with that much power, so high up, the boss of his own company, that is essentially he has the keys to the kingdom for any man or woman that wouldn't break into the film industry, and particularly with women in this case, that seems to have come with uh, with horrible, horrible conditions to which they had to commit in order to to try and create a better life for themselves. And I I can't speak unbiasedly on this story. Just my my personal hatred for anyone who would commit such horrible acts, who would take away, would rip away consent and choice from any person, male, female, gay, transgender, black, white, green, purple, whatever you are, having choice and consent ripped away from you in such a vile and disgusting way as Harvey Weinstein has now been convicted for, it's unacceptable. It's not something we should have in society. It's something, it's a blemish on our history that it's even a thing. Much like I did last week with speaking on mental health, this is a stigmatized topic that needs to be spoken on and it needs to be rectified. And this is a, it's not a conclusive step. It's not conducive of this will stop anything that Harvey Weinstein has been convicted on this, but it is a good first step, a good small first step towards ridding ourselves of such vile, horrible things. That's, again, that's my personal opinion. And anyone who has, what what did they call it here? Anyone who has been silence breakers on things such as Harvey Weinstein or other candidates of his ilk, if you've ever been affected by something like that, it is not, and I mean with a passion here, not something you should hold in. It is not a burden you should be bearing that something like that, something so atrocious, something so horrible has happened to you. It is important to speak on so we can get this out of the way. So you don't have to deal with the emotional torment that it is to have had such a vile act committed upon you. I'm I'm struggling as I sit here. I'm struggling to think clearly just because my, my mind's being permeated by just hatred for people who would do such a thing. It is such such a vile. <laughs> it's such a vile fucking thing. And I, it is such, it's an awful thought to think we share oxygen with people who would do things like, like sexually assaulting, like raping, like all of these things that can befall human beings, particularly females in this case. No point in shrugging around it. It happens to men as well. It's important to note, but it happens way more frequently to women, sadly. And it's such a shame and it's a blemish that, again, not a thing I want to be misconstrued, but the thing, the fact that we have feminism in the world is just a testament to the fact that about how horrible in general scope uh, men end up being. I, I I can't speak against feminism because they have their quarrels with males, which I can't disagree with. It is speaking in broad strokes, and this is obviously, I put the trigger warning ahead of this, but it's a sensitive topic that, yes, in general scope for society, women and men don't stand on a level playing field. There's, the equal pay is not as it should be. Uh, Sexual harassment towards women is worse now than I'd argue it's ever been. It is inexplicable that people would do such things. And it's it's a goddamn sham that we we have so many men and men and women, I will say in broad strokes, because it does happen to men too. But it's horrible that so few are born with common sense to know not to do such things, not because you you'll emotionally scar people for the rest of their life on acts like that. Like there is no good intent behind it. There is nothing good to come out of it. Only consequence. 
for both parties. And I do. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I want to see. I want to see sexual assault and rape and such out of the world. Is it naive to think that it'll ever happen? Yes, it sadly is. I'd like to think there's the chance it can get better over time. And that the number of people that are affected by that can decrease dramatically. But it, it, it'll it require more than one voice speaking out. It'll require people to take action. And require people to understand what they're doing is wrong and to stop doing it. No politician or no one with rhetoric will ever convince someone truly to stop doing something if the person's heart's not into stopping doing something i it's i can't i can't and that's why i don't intend to or try to i can't change the world on my own nor can anyone it has to be a collective effort and if we're going to have a collective effort on anything to start with it is absolutely this Right. I seem the second story of any of these news segments seem to be what get me every week for some reason or another where I speak on something. I got last week when I spoke on the mental health thing, I uh, I got a lot of positive feedback on that. And I think it's I'm, I'm not then doing this story on sexual assault for the same reasons, but it's things that are important. We speak on it's things that are important. We keep in conversation and we reach logical conclusions on but much more so i'd rather be the the person that starts speaking on a topic and that sparks conversation than to not speak on something at all right i've i've spoken on this and i've gotten just so (laughs) i'm just full of hatred currently to a point where i've forgotten what my next segment is let me check that out right so we have a segment that is a, it's a called Good Job You, and it is called You're a Fucking Moron, a segment that we seem to have had, uh, I don't I don't know that we've had any good or bad feedback on it, but it's a segment that I quite enjoy doing nonetheless. And this week, I have found the Good Job You segment has a bit of an altered title this week. Uh, it'll probably revert back to being Good Job You by next week, but this week, uh, I... That'll sound, it'll sound sarcastic if I use that as a title for it. I saw a story this week about Johnny Depp. I saw a story about the physical abuse and violence that he has been uh, subject to by his ex-wife. That cost him his job, cost him his reputation, and I think you can guess from this who the you're a fucking moron is going to be. But... Seeing some of the images, like seeing the gruesome image of half of Johnny Depp's fingertip missing as a result of his ex-wife slicing him uh, from burning cigarettes on his face and from tearing his hair out and from whatever this vile human being did to Johnny Depp. It is spectacular that it has taken as long as it has for this to come out. I believe the posts came from Johnny Depp himself originally, and for which I I sincerely do applaud him, because it's much like the the subject we spoke on with the uh, the news story pre- like previous to this. Physical violence in the home also is a, a an other farce that we should be stamped under the thumb of human history. It's not something we should want or should need or should have. Uh, but for him to speak up and to share the images or for whoever did it, whoever shared the images and for whoever spoke up on the things that have happened to Johnny Depp that cost him his career to an extent, cost him his reputation because apparently he was the one that was the physical abuser. This week's good job you effectively is not a good job you. It's an acknowledgement and it goes to Johnny Depp. I applaud you, sir. I am so... So it's it's horrible even to be a bystander from however far away I am from where you are and to see that such vile and horrible acts could be committed upon a human being. It is 
so disgusting and so sad to know once again that I share oxygen with folks like this. And so the acknowledgement this week is for Johnny Depp, absolutely. And so, having melded the two segments this week with the you're a fucking moron going to his ex-wife, who I... I is so reprehensible. I am not even going to mention her by name. You can look her up and you can find her. Madam, who caused all of this harm to one Johnny Depp, who cost him effectively damn near everything he had for a career that he built for himself. Fuck you. May you rot. Right. So on to the next segment. We have a segment on Nintendo and Zelda, don't we? So, the uh, Nintendo Direct, though it was quite recently, there was no Zelda to it. Which, quite frankly, I, uh, it, it, you sort of came to expect, because they themed it as an Animal Crossing one prior, and uh, therefore you shouldn't expect much of anything else. But then again, it is Nintendo, and they, they set up their Directs however they please, so you never know exactly what you might get from them. I, I just got the excerpts after. I didn't end up watching it because it happened as, essentially as I was recording the episode last week. So, but for it to be on Animal Crossing, uh, I didn't see the I didn't see the direct. All I saw was uh, the excitement on my Mrs. Glitter, her face, at the Animal Crossing title that's coming to Switch. So excited was she that she is, you know, she started contributing on the blog. And she wrote an entire post on her excitement for Animal Crossing and her history with it. And it was a great piece, a great, a great, great piece. Uh, it went out on her website. It was the most, the most viewed blog post that day. And uh, to her credit, she's kept up with it. Like she's had also now uh, another post came out yesterday, which was uh, Zelda the Archaeologist. If you want to read just a fantastic piece on archaeology uh, and pop culture, I'd sincerely recommend you go into kingseyes.life slash blog, and it'll be the one titled Zelda the Archaeologist. It has just the opening line of it. It's just the best. Honestly, go right ahead and check it. I'll even put a link in the description of or in the notes even of this episode so that you can go in and check it out. So in terms of Zelda, which is the big, the big kicker for this segment, really, it is... I wish we would hear more and I'm anticipating that there might be something coming up for in June when obviously there's the E3 direct that is bound to happen because that's when they had the teaser come out last year as far as I can recollect you know we've looked over the the teaser here because obviously we're producing the first episode of Melodies of Mystery which it's it's coming along it's just taking a while <laughs> because we want to get the the content right and we want to write something that is interesting for everybody to listen to but having looked over the teaser as many times as we have and tried to take things from every corner and every frame of that it is there's so much to it like even uh uh, glitter. She made the the notion that you know what it sounds like it's being played in reverse the music, and so I flicked it into the one of my apps on my phone, and I played it in reverse, and it, it sounded weird. It sounded uh, concerning. It sort of had the same melodic taste as one of the themes for Demise, the uh, the uh, like timeline wise the original villain in the Zelda series. Uh, but even more so, you had the, uh, we, we read up on it online right after, and apparently, uh, someone had been able to make out that the thing said, help us, or help us Zelda, help us hold the body, or find the body. It was words to that effect, and... There's, there. It's interesting how much you can extrapolate from about what a, a, a less than two minutes worth of, uh, a clip online. It's fantastic. It's fabulous. Uh, okay, so that's what we got in terms of the uh, Nintendo segment this week. Then, 
As I started recording this, I got a notification off of Netflix. This is relating to motorsports right here. And I got the notification that said uh, the um, that Formula One Drive to Survive Season 2 is coming soon. And I think that's what the motorsports segment this week is going to be on. It is we have – if you haven't got a Netflix subscription and you haven't seen the Formula One Drive to Survive series – it offers such an interesting perspective on so much of the Formula One series beyond its laps and beyond the the Grand Prix with just the internal business between several of the teams and uh, the drivers mentalities. They get to speak. They get to think. They get to express themselves at length uh, in a setting that seems it, it was a. I watched the entire thing last year at some point, and I found it to be just fascinating. Borderline more fascinating than the races at times. Uh, so I think with the the season two coming up, I would highly recommend to anyone. I think Netflix, they offer up um, uh, the first month free. I believe that's still a thing with them. If they do, I'd... Uh, recommend go and get yourself a Netflix subscription and watch that. If you're a motorsports fan, you owe it to yourself to watch it because it is a great, great bit of programming. And to watch that to sort of, uh, what will you say? To precondition yourself for the season two and what that'll elaborate on. That is my recommendation for this week. And that's probably what, yeah. No, that's the entire motorsport segment this week. Then, obviously, we have uh, the pro wrestling segment, which is coming up with a bang. We're heading in towards AEW Revolution. That's on Saturday. Looking very much forward to staying up all night and watching that. With It's just fantastic, the card they've set together. You have Chris Jericho versus John Moxley for the AEW World Championship. You have the uh, uh, AEW World Tag Team Championships between the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega and Adam Page. You have, what was it? It was Nyla Rose versus Chris Statlander. That's going to be an exciting match. You have um, Dustin Rhodes versus Jake Hager. Five decades in the pro wrestling business versus one uh, versus one undefeated MMA fighter, but probably most anticipated, I'd argue, on this card, that might just be my opinion and how I view it uh, publicly, but probably the most anticipated match on this card, however, is the one between Cody and MJF. Might just be partisan because obviously Cody currently is one of my favorite wrestlers. But the the way they've built this story and they've built the textbook fantastic, truly, with the amount of trials and tribulations that Cody Rose has had to go through to get this match with MJF at Revolution, withstanded every bit of it and stands to now have this fight. It's not going to be a match. No fucking way it is. It's going to be a fight. And hopefully this match ends up, or this fight, sorry. Uh, I'm a bit conflicted on the end result I want for this. Uh, I, It's going to be a fantastic outing for both of them, regardless of the outcome. But looking at it, I don't know if I want it to be the conclusion of their feud yet. Because then you're looking at the, the trouble of, you've, okay, you've built this up to such a high point and we've been expecting it since what all in or since MJF and Cody became allies that oh that's that's going to happen and it's going to be great and it's not to say that it hasn't been great it absolutely has but it's a rivalry that could end up for all we know going down as one of the greatest in either one of their careers and so the question being would you want them to just have one match really I don't think I do. I think I want them to have more matches. I think I'm very, very curious about what sort of end results they're going to come up with. If it ends up being a fight, I think Cody has them licked. Uh, if it ends up being that there is some sort of no disqualification stipulation to this, I think I wouldn't. 
uh, I wouldn't put it past MJF to pull one out. Oh, that's that's the po- side of the pond I'm interested in. Also, on the pro wrestling segment, I saw the um, the video by Chris Van Vliet with the story of Tim Storm, and it is that is a, a guy that's just criminally slept on. He's at the height of his career currently. Uh, when Billy Corgan bought the NWA, he was the champion, and they brought him along on it, and he sort of reached the the top of his uh, career so far at fifty. At 51 even was when this shit started. It is fantastic. The stories and the thoughts that Tim Storm elaborated on in that. And just, he, he's, he seems like it beams through the screen that he's a great, uh, a great human being. He's a history teacher. He's 56 and his big dream is to once again hold the 10 pounds of gold. Whether the stipulations in pro wrestling will have it that he can't or not. But yeah, if you want a good watch and you want some good stories, I'd highly recommend you go ahead and you check out the Chris Van Vliet interview with Tim Storm. Uh, it's shared on the video section of my website. If not, you can look it up on YouTube. Uh, go go knock yourself out with a great, great watch. Absolutely recommend it. Oh, that or seeing Chris Van Vliet take 20 lashes from Sean Spears and Tyler Breeze. That also is just a hoot. That's fantastic. Then, in a topic I don't mention often because I don't really watch and consume that nearly as much as I used to do. Uh, WWE have, I'm not caught up in the slightest on their booking. Also, I've seen is the story that this uh, tomorrow, effectively, from when I record this, John Cena is going to make a return, Uh, which he hasn't been, did he have a match? He didn't really have a match last year, did he? I mean, I think the stat was that it's the first full calendar year of Cena's career that he hasn't had a pay-per-view match, which that's just mind-boggling, right? But it's kind of the it's kind of the um, the um, the wheel of WWE keeps spinning whether he is there or not. It's continued on without him, much like it did Hulk Hogan, much like it did Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, like Paul Heyman stated, like it will without Vince McMahon at some point or another. But to see that uh, Cena, who's making such a fantastic leaps in Hollywood and making movies and like telling great stories like you you can smear him for his acting as much as you like he's still telling great stories and now to be uh, he, he's the big friggin villain of the newest fast and the furious film and being set in such a grandiose role as he is the main character's fucking brother you are putting a lot of pressure on him to perform and as vin diesel has said on his instagram several times that when you see his role come to life, you will be absolutely blown away. And why would you not trust Vin Diesel with his verdict on someone? Because he's been very much in the driver's seat, pun intended, for the Fast and Furious series since its inception. And those are still grandiose goddamn films, are they not? I'd argue they are. So it's gonna, it's great to see. Uh, I'm a bit curious what they're what he's gonna do though because it's been it's rumored and it's whispered everywhere that he's apparently gonna have a match at WrestleMania as well. Who that would be against? Let me put this out there. Let me put this out there because you wouldn't put it past them to do this. What if this year? Because they're both bound to have short matches anyway. Just because one of them has a career. In Hollywood to take care of, one is an older gentleman that has had way too many back surgeries to have a 20-minute fight with someone. The match that I'd propose for John Cena at WrestleMania would be John Cena versus Hulk Hogan. I have not seen anyone write that that is a possibility anywhere. However, if you look at Hulk Hogan's Instagram, Mance has been training his butt off. I mean, you've even seen the grandpa beard game going on strong. And he's been visible on Raw and SmackDown. And apparently, he's training to get cleared for WrestleMania. And so here you have a dream match akin to... Maybe not as big ass, but akin to what you had with The Rock and Hulk Hogan. Which is just, spectacle-wise, the greatest match in history. 
Not in terms of athletic ability, not in terms of moments created, but just in the grandiose stature of either man entering that ring and then having the grace period of everyone screaming at the top of their lungs before the match has even started at how excited they are. Imagine a stadium full of people screaming at the top of their lungs for the single most renowned pro wrestler that has ever walked the face of the earth and for the one that everyone has said oh he's he's taken Hulk Hogan's shoes and run with them however short or long the match is it'll still be a spectacle it'll still be a moment that the world has been wanting, has been thinking could happen, that I believe both of them have said they'd be interested in doing at various points throughout the years. That is a moment that should be WrestleMania worthy. And I'm going to say, I'm going to say it's time to end the episode. Thank you very much for listening. With that little noggin in your head of probably the most grandiose match ever booked on any card ever, I bid you a very good week. Thank you very much for listening. And so long, so long farewell. See you next week. Life goes on and I keep on trucking. It's Friday night in America.